Before going on to listen to this episode, I must preface it with a trigger warning. In this episode you are about to listen to, I will be mentioning eating disorders and other mental health issues. I will make sure to preface every episode with this trigger warning in case there is a mention of something that you might not be able to handle. This podcast is meant to be educational and mind-opening to the scary world of eating disorders and what they can do to you. Even though I want this environment to feel safe for everybody, please proceed to listen with caution. This show will include genuine content only. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reasons for Recovery. I am finally here. I am in my new house that I've been talking about for so long. So hopefully the sound is perfect for you guys and you can hear me clearly. Uh, I literally live in the middle of the woods now, so there shouldn't be any sound messing around with my audio now, so that's good. Whereas before I moved, I was still living the dorm life. Yes, I know, I'm literally a senior in college and I was still living the dorm life. But there's nothing wrong with that, it's just how things ended up and how I ended up spending most of my college career, but now I have my very own house, so that's really good, that's that's good to know. Um, this house that I'm living in is uh, super tiny, it's a studio house, uh, if you don't know what that means, it's basically like a house with no rooms except for a bathroom. Um, So everything is out in the open, like the rooms are all connected except for the bathroom. The bathroom is the only literal room off to its own in the house. So it's perfect size for me though. Uh, I'm living with my two cats, um, so I think I'll be totally fine living here for the rest of my college life. I'm no longer having to talk super quietly during my recording sessions or shove towels underneath the doorframe to mute my voice out of respect for my dorm neighbors, uh, because that's what I was doing for a very long time. Um, Majority of this podcast was recorded when I was in a dorm, so I was always constantly having to consider my neighbors, because I lived in a dorm with very, very thin walls, so they could hear literally anything. So I would shove towels underneath my doorframe, I would talk really quietly, but like as close to the mic as possible, so like you could still hear me. But since this house doesn't touch anybody, I can talk as loud as I want, so that's amazing. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, if you've been keeping up to date with my living situation, um, like I said, you'll know that this is a long time coming. I've been talking about this forever, but it's finally happening, and I'm so excited about it. What I wasn't so excited about, though, was the three-hour car ride that I had with my two cats, which, by the way, was the noisiest car ride of my life. Uh, My oldest cat, Eli, uh, he was meowing almost the entire time. Um, He didn't really stop meowing until about halfway through the trip. And he did it for so long that my youngest one, Patrizzi, decided to join in as well. Uh, And typically, Patrizzi is the more quiet and constrained one. Like, he does not talk much, uh, which is funny because he's a Siamese cat and Siamese are usually vocal. But... Uh, usually he only meows when he's hungry or like he needs help or something. But like I said, for the most part, he's basically mute. But Eli cried long enough to get Patrizzi to join along. So both of them were meowing constantly the entire trip. And like I said, it didn't stop until about a little bit less than halfway, probably 30 minutes before we got there to the house. So 
it was a lot of work getting here, and I had a lot to put up with, but I made it, and that's all that really matters. But enough about me. Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So today we are going to get into a heavy amount of detail scientifically. Uh, We are going to talk about how recovery can heal your brain. And if you were to keep suffering from an eating disorder, what would happen to your brain on a scientific standpoint? And by this, I mean we are going to look at today's episode, like I said, from a scientific standpoint and talk about the ways that your brain will function in terms of an eating disorder and eating disorder recovery. I have briefly talked about how an eating disorder can harm your brain in the past, but I never really got into how terrible this really is from a scientific point of view. And I don't think I could truly get my point across if I didn't stress like the factual evidence that comes from actual scientific data and research of what happens to a person's brain with an eating disorder. So that's what I'm doing today. I'm just going to really dig deep into what truly happens to your brain during an eating disorder, chemically, and how this can be solved with recovery. It might be a little bit more difficult of an episode to hear uh, because, like I said, I'll be speaking some pretty big terms or harder to comprehend terms, but I'll try to explain it to the best that I can so that my point gets reached. So... To get started, we all know already that an eating disorder can really screw with our brains and change the way that you think mentally for the most part, but how exactly does that work? Like, what makes our brain do that? How does this all start, or where does it even come from to make our brains even think of, you know, having an eating disorder? I know for most people, including me, my eating disorder slowly just developed, but it felt like honestly just felt like it came out of nowhere and this specifically could be due to a number of things. One way that your eating disorder can start is from childhood abuse or trauma of some sort. I know that's something very sensitive to talk about but this might be a reason for your disorder. Typically when we experience a childhood trauma that will stick with our brains for years to come and later on will affect the neurobiology of our brain. Another common one is your family history. If you have a history of eating disorders within your family, there are chances that you might become that way as well. And this is because, of course, you're blood related. You and your family share the same blood, share the same DNA, meaning that you share the same makeup. And you will inherit many things from your family, which can include mental disorders. It's the same concept of physical appearance. You can inherit blonde hair from your family if they have the recessive trait of blonde hair. So it's the same with neurological things, including eating disorders. And of course, another very common thing is stress. When stress happens on your brain, especially a lot of times, it can go a number of ways. If an eating disorder is already present in your brain, this can cause you to stress eat or starve yourself from stress which will lead to a numerous amount of different eating disorders. Um, And this is because when an eating disorder is already present, the feeling of food can either make you very, very happy uh, and feel comfortable, or it can make you feel very uncomfortable. It can be complete polar opposites. So like I said, it could go either way. 
when you're stressed, you eat a lot to cope because it makes you happy, or when you're stressed, you don't eat at all because that's what would make you happy. Either way, no matter what the issue may be for you, in general, the overall cause of eating disorders are honestly really unknown. Yes, there are many factors that can contribute to your brain functioning differently because of your eating disorder, but the big picture thing, that main cause of all those factors, isn't necessarily understood completely yet. Doctors are still not 100% sure what the genes are that are involved in this mental disorder, but they do know that genetics can be the leading cause, so there's that. But now that you understand the reasonings behind this disorder and how it can possibly start in your brain, we can go ahead and get into the main topic, which is what an eating disorder can exactly do to your brain, what it can do neurologically, mentally, physically, all of that stuff, and how recovery can basically be like a reversal for this. So we can go ahead and talk about the neurological functions that can be disrupted when you suffer from an eating disorder. If you are still suffering from an eating disorder and honestly don't understand how damaging this disorder can be, then you're about to find out right now, and after hearing this, it should make you want to seek help. I'm, I'm just saying already, that's my ultimate goal. It's to hopefully reach out to somebody who is still in the midst of suffering that doesn't quite understand yet why they need recovery. So thanks to science, you're about to understand that. So strap in. <laughs> First off, let's talk about neurotransmitters. Now, neurotransmitters are these little chemicals that are inside your brain that transfer messages from one nerve ending to the next. And it basically just tells um, different parts of your body what you need to do. So, for example, if you are about to touch something very, very hot, those neurotransmitters will send a signal from one nerve to the next to tell your brain, hey, don't touch that and to voluntarily move your hand away from whatever might be hot. But when you suffer from an eating disorder, these neurotransmitters can be disrupted very easily. This is because, overall, your brain almost practically shuts off and stops working in some areas. This will ultimately cause your neurotransmitters to be interrupted, meaning that you will have a much harder time processing things and understanding your surroundings. This is super common and will 100% happen to you if you let yourself continue to get further down a path of an eating disorder. Another detrimental topic that's very hard to talk about is your heart rate. You may not think of neurological functions of your brain when you think of your heart rate, but in all reality, these two organs rely on each other a lot. We already know that an eating disorder can really screw with your heart rate. It can make it extremely low or out of rhythm or irregular, you know, and all of that stuff. And one thing leads to another in this situation. When your heart rate becomes very low or irregular, it will deprive your brain of oxygen, which will further harm it. Your brain and your heart work together, and when one starts to fail or it just gets out of whack, then the other one is going to do that as well. I remember when I went to the ER for the first time to seek help for my eating disorder, they told me my heart rate uh, was very, very low and that my heart was actually close to failure uh, because it wasn't receiving the oxygen that it needed. 
And if I had waited any longer, I would have not made it because my heart would quit working, cutting off the oxygen to my brain that keeps it working. So your body works together and each part relies on another part to help it out in some sort of way. An eating disorder can really take that all away from you. If you continue to allow yourself to suffer, this can alter the makeup of your brain and change its structure completely. So you need to treat recovery seriously and consider it over suffering longer. I talked about this a little bit in like one of the very first episodes I ever made uh, back last year. One of the main symptoms that you have with an eating disorder is that your body literally shuts down. And this is all due to you malnourishing yourself. When the brain doesn't receive enough oxygen, one thing leads to the next. Those neurotransmitters will not be able to connect your nerve endings with those messages to let your body know that it needs to function. So if you keep making your brain deprived of oxygen from the longer that you are suffering, your neurotransmitters will slowly start to cut off all functions of your body, which is a a big thing with an eating disorder that I don't think gets talked about enough. But like I said at the beginning of this episode, um, neurotransmitters send messages to nerve endings in each part of your body. And when that gets disrupted from an eating disorder, then your body will not receive those messages it needs to receive in order to function correctly. So slowly, one by one, each system in your body will start to shut down and you'll go into like this starvation hibernation mode where slowly your body is just turning itself off because those neurotransmitters don't know where to send messages anymore and each function just slowly dies away. Your brain is a big part of you, and when it isn't functioning correctly, neither will the rest of your body. Like we previously talked about with the damage of nerve endings and neurotransmitters, this can lead to other things. When nerve endings become damaged, they can cause very terrible things to happen to you. This can involve anything from seizures to numbness to disorganized thinking, This is why when you suffer from an eating disorder, your head always seems foggy and you can't really think straight. It's because your nerve endings are damaged from your disorder. Your nerve endings are just like every part of your body. They rely on energy to survive. And what's that energy? It's food. When you deprive yourself of the energy that you need, that's when things will start to fail within you. Your nerve endings will eventually shut down, making it harder to process things and think things through. I had the hardest time focusing and understanding during my eating disorder because my brain was so fried after what I had been doing to it for so long. Our brains are precious and we only get one, so why should we continue to hurt it like that any longer? That's why this episode is very important to pay attention to. If you understand how bad an eating disorder can kill your brain neurologically, it'll make you consider that recovery that you've been putting off for so long. Another thing that is very serious to point out is the fact that your brain completely shrinks altogether when you suffer from an eating disorder, and this includes white matter and gray matter within your brain. I know, that sounds extremely scary, and it should, because it is very scary. And if you don't know what white and gray matter is, basically your white matter and your gray matter are two very intricate and important parts of your brain. Your gray matter 
uh, processes things, and the white matter is the communicators. It's what communicates everything to your body. So whatever the gray matter is processing, the white matter sends it off and communicates it. If these two things are consistently shrinking in your brain as you suffer from an eating disorder, then that's when processing becomes very, very difficult. This is where simple, easy tasks and functions become difficult to understand, and when something as easy as just writing your name can become difficult. You might think I'm over-exaggerating a little bit, but this is science. This is 100% truthful information that will happen to you if you just continue to suffer. And I don't think it sounds too good that your brain literally shrinks when you suffer from an eating disorder. And it's definitely not good that communication becomes harder and harder because of that. So I don't, I don't understand, you know, how that could be a good situation at all. So with that in mind, another thing that an eating disorder can do is it can make mostly any form of task difficult. This involves things like setting goals or prioritizing things in your day-to-day life. I will say one thing that was the worst with my eating disorder is that I never got things done when they needed to be done. And typically, I'm an extremely like punctual person. I do everything on a schedule. I have a planner with like every single task I got to do for the day. But when I was suffering from an eating disorder, it just made things super difficult to remember and to complete. I would always have these goals that I needed to accomplish and things that had to be done every day and I just wouldn't do it. My brain had a hard time processing that it needed to be done. The longer that you put your brain through an eating disorder, the harder it will become to do your day-to-day tasks. Going to school becomes increasingly difficult, going to work becomes difficult, and just doing simple things like schoolwork or even taking out the trash will be the hardest thing to do because your brain becomes so malnourished from energy that it won't have those neurotransmitters communicating, telling your body what it needs to do. Along with that comes memory loss. This, again, is another big thing that nobody seems to realize that will happen when you suffer. It is an underlying side effect that will just continue to get worse and worse the longer that you suffer. With memory loss is forgetfulness. Because your brain lacks all of that energy it needs, you're going to start to forget things, and it's going to happen quicker than you think. Memory loss and forgetfulness is caused from stress or anxiety and depression, which is what someone with an eating disorder more than likely will suffer from. And like I said, the longer that you allow yourself to struggle, the longer you deny help, the worse it's going to become. A huge reason for memory loss or forgetfulness is due to the fact that you are hurting yourself, like I said. And along with that, an eating disorder probably will make you have many sleepless nights or become extremely lethargic and have no energy whatsoever to live out your life each day. And that's a big reason that memory loss and forgetfulness is so frequent in people who suffer. Like I said... This is a big detail that nobody really seems to grasp or really know about when it comes to an eating disorder, and honestly, almost all of the stuff that I'm talking about right now is something people might not know happened with an eating disorder at all. Everything in this episode people probably have never heard of, but it's imperative to mention this, so if anyone who is still listening right now that is struggling, they will understand what they are slowly getting themselves into and why they need to recover and why it's so important. 
Uh, it's no laughing matter that an eating disorder can literally shut down your brain and the rest of your body. I'm pretty sure, like I've said in the past, no one really thinks an eating disorder is anything more than just your life revolving around food. But it is. It's, it's so much more than just your life revolving around food. It's so much more of a serious matter that will ruin your life if you allow it to get too bad. To get more into the memory loss and the forgetfulness, I can tell you this is something that has followed me throughout the worst of my disorder and still follows me to this day, actually. I allowed myself to get so far into my eating disorder that I still have problems with memory today. Not as terrible as when I was suffering, obviously, because recovery can reverse that. But I still have a little bit of problems with my uh, forgetfulness and memory and stuff like that because I allowed myself to get too far into an eating disorder. And you will have side effects from your eating disorder that will continue to follow you into recovery if you keep denying that you need help. The longer that you wait, the harder it's going to be to live a normal day-to-day -day life. And that's why recovery is so important. All of these things that you're hearing so far that can happen to your brain with an eating disorder, they can be reversed with recovery. If you slowly repair your brain with recovery, all of this will be restored back to normal. And trust me, I'm living proof of that. Everything is basically restored back to normal. But, like I said, the longer that you wait, the harder that it's going to be to restore those things. Because, like I said, I still have a little bit of struggles with memory loss. But if you catch an eating disorder starting to make your life turn for the worse, then that is when you need to consider recovery. That is when you really need to reach out for help. Because recovery will most definitely reverse everything that you would be suffering from within your brain. But anyways, like I was saying, I was always forgetting things during my eating disorder and I'd do so poorly on tests in college and I would forget to do just very simple things like wash my clothes or take showers. Yeah, I was an absolute wreck. So um, during my recovery, still, I had the hardest time with memory because I was not only battling depression and a lot of stress, but I was also taking a lot of medications for my recovery that made me lose my memory. So it was even more difficult in recovery. And I always say this as much as I can, but if you are worried about starting recovery and how it may be, I'm just telling you now, it will be difficult. There will be so many times where you think there is no end in sight and that tasks will be way too hard to accomplish, but recovery was literally the best decision I've ever made in my life. If I never chose to recover, I know that I would be in an even worse situation now than I was when I decided to recover. Recovery is going to be so difficult and so hard. I, I know I can't stress that enough, but it's not going to be a straight line. It's going to be a bumpy road, but please trust me on this when I say that when you reach the end of your recovery, you will be the best version of yourself that you never thought you would see. You're going to be super healthy, super happy, and much better off when you are finished with recovery. So, recovery is crucial. It's very crucial. It was very, very hard remembering things throughout my recovery, but I made it out alive, and I'm still glad that those things worked out that the way they did.
But like I was saying, if you want to save your memory, please choose recovery. Like I keep saying, the more that you allow yourself to suffer, the harder and harder it's going to be to do everyday things and remember to do simple things. I told you guys I got so far into my eating disorder that I still have parts of my life that I don't really remember, or at least I don't remember it 100% correctly. I'd be talking to my parents and I'd say something and they'd stop me and be like, that never happened. Like, I'd, I'd literally be talking about something I can think was happening and they'd be like, no, nope, that never happened. And <laughs> the same thing happens with my fiance. Half the time I'm trying to recollect something, he always calls out the fact that I'm remembering it wrong. So it's important that wherever you are right now, if you still haven't chose recovery, stop what you're doing and Get help as soon as you possibly can. I would really hate for someone listening right now to end up in the situations like I did. So to end this discussion, uh, first off, I just wanted to kind of reiterate how recovery can really help you and benefit you uh, and heal your brain from all of these things that are happening to it. Uh, Like I had already mentioned, recovery is basically like a reversible thing for Uh, all of these things that are happening to your brain, all of this neurobiological damage that you're causing yourself from your eating disorder. Recovery can literally reverse that. Like, I'm not even joking when I say that, and I know I've already said this before, but recovery will just do a complete 180 on your brain, and everything will be fixed. Now, like I did say, though, If you allow yourself to just keep getting further and further down that pit, it will be increasingly difficult in recovery to restore those neurobiological components in your brain. I do know a couple of people that have suffered from an eating disorder that have allowed themselves to get way too far into it, like worse than what I got into. Like they were suffering for years, like 10, 15 years, and when they finally opened up to recovery, they had permanent brain damage and disorders that were irreversible because they allowed themselves to get way too far into an eating disorder. But if you choose recovery, as soon as you realize that you are not heading down the right path, recovery will reverse everything that you have been doing to your brain. When you finally decide to fuel your body and to get all that energy back into your body, your brain will receive oxygen again. It will be healthy and it will be thriving and you will slowly return yourself back to normal. And that's what we want in recovery is to slowly return back to normal into a healthier version of yourself. So to finally end this discussion, I wanted to read you guys something that is off of a website called The Emily Project. This is actually where I got some of the information that you heard today, along with other scholarly websites and personal experiences that helped me discuss today's topic. But to help you understand how important it is that you need to get help as soon as possible, this is what the website has to say, and it ties into what I was literally just talking about. So, the website says... Uh, Factors that may influence the amount of damage reversed seem to include duration and severity of an eating disorder. A patient who suffers from anorexia or bulimia for many years will have accrued more damage to his or her brain than someone who finds treatment and recovery earlier on in their illness. And this is coming straight from a website that specializes in eating disorders, so they really know what they're talking about. 
So just like I was saying, you need to get help as soon as possible if you want to save your brain and save the rest of your body from permanent harm and permanent damage. So it should be very obvious by now that if you are still suffering, please try your hardest to reach out and to let somebody know and to seek help as quickly as possible. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to get. So please, if you are ready, I do have hotlines in the description of this episode and other websites uh, for you to visit. Uh, You can call those hotlines um, and, like I said, go to those websites if you need more information on recovery and how exactly to start your recovery. And those people that will answer on the hotlines... They will help you out. They are not meant to be scary people, and they won't release any information about you or your eating disorder to every, anybody at all. Everything is 100% confidential and will end up benefiting you in the end if you just call those numbers if you feel like you're ready. Reaching out is the number one step to recovery. It is the very first thing you have to do. But I always say that this step is the hardest step. I understand that it is the hardest to reach out to somebody and get help when you need it because I was in that exact situation almost about two years ago to this day. But what helped me out a lot is that I talked to a close friend first, someone who understood my disorder because she had suffered herself. So if you are not quite comfortable talking to a professional just yet, you can talk to me. Because I have experience with an eating disorder and I will do whatever it takes to help someone in a similar situation start their recovery. Talking to someone in the health professional field is super scary. I understand. I still have a terrifying fear of doctors to this day. But if you want to talk with me first, I can get you started and I can help you out in any way that you need to get you ready for recovery. I have my email as well as my Instagram in the description that you can either write me a message or DM me if you need literally anything at all regarding your recovery or even your eating disorder, whatever it may be. Even though I'm a full-time college student, I have a job, and I'm in the process of planning a literal wedding, uh, I still make time for whatever you may need. So trust me, I've already had lots of listeners reach out to me and it's the best experience getting to help them out so if you feel like you need to talk to somebody that has experience first before talking to a professional or a doctor of some sort then feel free to talk to me all you want just either dm me or email me but with that being said i just want to thank you guys all for listening Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week, and if you're in school right now, have a great semester and finish strong. Thanks again, everyone, and remember to stay safe and healthy.